Hello everyone and welcome to our show. Today we discuss about exciting journey. Uh, you know, let me share my story because I came from e-commerce projects to SEO agency. But today we have quite different story uh, from SEO agency to e-commerce projects. And I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Sergio Icardi. How are you? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. Yeah. I want to learn more about that because I know that uh, SEO is hard today, uh, but if you know how to provide SEO, you can uh, promote any project. Before we start, just tell more about your experience, background, and why you decided to share with us about this journey. Sure. My name again is Sergio, and um, I've been doing SEO and getting into different types of digital marketing since uh, about 2011 is when I got my first job. I was a project manager, entry level for an SEO agency in Florida. And I was just learning from the very bottom uh, what it's like to do reporting, manage client expectations, on-page SEO, off-page SEO, and pretty much everything in between that it takes to get a website to rank on the top of the search engine results. So, you know, I started there and I worked there for about two years. Um, and then eventually I, I left to kind of start my own agency and one of my best friends that worked with me there at the time. And in fact, another salesperson that worked there at the time, we kind of all went our separate ways. And then eventually we came together and started our own SEO agency. And that was around 2013, 2014. Um, so we had our own agency. We took what we learned. We had somebody from the sales department to manage the sales. Um, I was doing a lot of the sales, but also marketing. And then my partner was also doing a lot of sales and marketing in the beginning. And we grew, we, we learned a lot. We got some good clients. We ran the agency for about four to five years. And then eventually we started kind of realizing that it'd be a lot easier and more rewarding, at least for us, you know, everybody's different, but for us, we wanted to start doing SEO for our own business. Instead of just focusing on providing it as a service, um, we decided, Hey, let's, let's try and do our own business. And, mm -hmm. you know, I don't want to make it seem like it's a bad idea to have an SEO agency because it's not, it makes a lot of great money. You can help a lot of business owners, but at the same time, our challenge was trying to expand the the team to find mm -hmm. really good seo professionals number one it's not cheap it's expensive no. they, they yeah. want to get paid good money um and then number two it's it's kind of a challenge to take yourself away from the business and not deal with the clients as you grow because as you know when you're doing a lot of youtubing and blogging and podcasting um, people want to deal with you so all of our clients wanted to speak with Sergio. They wanted to speak with the owners. Yeah. <laughs> they don't want to speak with the new person who's just two years into it and still learning as a project manager. So all of our big clients, they were managed by either myself or the, the two partners that I had, which were the owners. And we eventually hired like three, four project managers and they did a good job, but keeping them well-paid and then also having to deal with all the clients, training all the employees, dealing with all the what I call minutia that comes with being a business owner, it takes a lot of time. And when your clients are calling your cell phone and 
you know, when things are, if things go wrong, you have to stop what you're doing. You could be on your anniversary date with your wife. And if your biggest Mm -hmm. client has an issue, you're going to stop and you're going to answer the phone and, and handle it. And we didn't like that. It wasn't really good for our lifestyle. We wanted to be free from that, um, Mm -hmm. that problem, you know, so started thinking, what can we do to kind of transition and take the next chapter in our life as a professional to be able to just focus on our business and be our own client. So I had a friend who at around 2012, 2013, he got a job as a technician and he was doing repairs on what you see behind me on these scooters and oh. also wheel- wheelchairs too. So like we don't just sell mobility scooters, we sell wheelchairs and all kinds of products for people that are getting older and they can't walk. So we sell walkers, uh, reclining chairs that lift you up. They're called lift chairs, wheelchairs, and things like that. So my best friend since high school, I grew up with him. His name is Andrew Fatalo. He's the CEO of the company now, but he was the original person who was in the business and knew the products. He knew the manufacturers. He had relationships with the manufacturers and he just knew a lot about the business and the products. So with his knowledge in the mobility product world and my experience in marketing, uh, we formed a, a website at, you know, at the beginning he had a website, but it was just a local WordPress site to capture leads for service and and we helped him that website so that he can get a lot of calls for service and repairs. He had to quit his job and start making money to support his bills and, you know, his family. So, his website for local repairs and then we also started a separate website uh, using magento to do e-commerce and you know we took everything that we learned from our marketing agency experience and put it into this new e-commerce project which is now mobilitydirect.com it took a long time Um, we started the website in 2014 and it was on magento version one now we're on the latest version of Magento, running the latest version of PHP, and we're proud to say that we're one of the top three dealers in the country for mobility scooters for various manufacturing partners. Um, and it's just been a really long journey. I've learned so much. I've, I've learned a lot about organic SEO, paid uh, PPC marketing, YouTube uh, monetization and content creation, uh, Facebook, you know, Instagram, everything. We've tried everything and we're still doing as much as we can to learn more and more every day. Um, I think, you know, with this area of expertise, you can never stop learning because it changes so much. So yeah. I think um, I think what you're doing is awesome. Um, I love the, the podcasting kind of vertical within digital marketing. I think it's a great way to to get your name out there, to get your business out there and to just help people learn. You know, that's that's what it's all about. Love it, love it. Love your journey. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, you encouraged me to share my journey, why I decided to switch from e-commerce project to uh, SEO agency. And uh, that was interesting because in 2008, I had a financial company and the whole crisis destroyed this company completely. I lost everything, you know, even more. Uh, I had debts like 3,000 uh average salaries in ukraine a lot of them and uh, the ukrainian government decided to disallow all banking laws 
loans and I couldn't handle this business. I decided to switch my attention and uh, open e-commerce projects. And uh, for getting results with these projects, I need uh, I needed to find some marketing channels, digital marketing channels and paid marketing worked well, uh, but SEO didn't provide any results. Uh, and I tried to cooperate with three different experts uh, and they couldn't help me. So I decided to learn myself how I can get this traffic. And for some time I got it and uh, had two directions, SEO agency and uh, e-commerce projects. Uh, luckily in 2013, uh, it's not likely, but uh, for my case, uh, Ukrainian revolution destroyed my second business, e-commerce project. So, and after that, I decided to switch all my attention to SEO agency because I can cooperate with many clients globally. Uh, it doesn't mean that you need to be just in one place. So after that, yeah, my journey uh, came with SEO uh, skills, e-commerce projects. And right now, yeah, uh, I, I use this experience to help e-commerce projects to get results as well. So yeah, it's my journey. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, I, I wanna start uh, from the first question. Can you tell you uh, you shared your website? Can you tell about your content strategy? Uh, because you know I often see when webmasters uh, chase high volume keywords uh, by using tools like SEMrush, Ahrefs, Google Keyword Planner, many others. They just see uh, high volume keywords and can imagine, wow, I can get this traffic. It's awesome. But uh, uh, in the first stage, these keywords uh, are overwhelmed and overpriced. In the second day, don't sell. Can you tell about your strategy, how you can uh, create the right strategy to get traffic that will sell your pro uh, products? Sure. So we don't have a content strategy that's on a piece of paper that you can follow to a T and get it right. Because as you know, every business is different. For our business, we deal with a lot of senior citizens, older people, 65 years and older. Mm -hmm. So we have to tailor our content for that type of audience. It's different if you're selling fast scooters that are two wheel scooters for younger people compared to selling scooters for senior citizens that are yeah. you know, FDA approved automatic brakes and very, very safe. So for us, you know, we've learned a lot about our audience and you know, with my background and knowing how to use search engine uh, marketing tools like the ones you mentioned, SEMrush, Ahrefs, it's, it's great to have that keyword data and chase the high volume keywords, but you can't really focus on that as you're growing your business and just getting started. I think the important thing is to go after the, the stuff that's not so competitive, but likely to convert in the beginning, less competition, build up your traffic, build up your following, build up your um, expertise and you know just being being known as an expert in the industry by going after those easy keywords in the beginning for a few years is kind of the strategy we took. So obviously we sell mobility scooters, right? Mm -hmm. You would think we want to show up number one for mobility scooters organically. We want to show up for heavy duty mobility scooters, folding mobility scooters, fast mobility scooters. These are all the really competitive keywords that we want to show up for. Now in the beginning, we didn't really have a chance to show up for those keywords. We weren't established yet. We were only a few years into the industry with a new website. So we focused a lot on the long tail keywords that really didn't have much competition. Just to give you a few examples, like mobility scooters with two seats, mobility scooters mm -hmm. that can support 500 pounds capacity. So 
going after the long keywords with less competition for several years has allowed us to build up the reputation as experts in the industry. And now we have tens of thousands of followers on our social media. We have the domain authority. Our website has a lot of valuable links coming from lots of different places, manufacturers that have a find a dealer page, they link to us. We also ask our manufacturing partners to let us do guest blog posts. Uh, we reach out to um, you know, people that are basically like the, uh, the social media, popular people that travel the world, travel bloggers, travel YouTubers, and we ask them, hey, would you be interested in working together with us to promote a giveaway or whatever? You know, Building links is still relevant, we still do it. And whenever we, we do a guest blog post or an article or something like that has content behind it, we try to look into the data. You know, I, I have tons of, of data in our Google Ads account and our Google Analytics account that tell me all the keyword data that I need to know. And I think, you know, that's really what helps us is we have so much data for the last like eight years, seven years of Google Ads data telling us exactly what search terms have converted the best. And mm -hmm. instead of using SEMrush or Ahrefs or you know, Google Trends, we go there. We have the actual search query that was used to trigger the ad. And we look at the conversion rate for not just a few months, but like two, three years worth of data so that it's, you know, it's, it's consistent data. The bigger the data sample, the better. And I think that's where we focus our attention is the historical data whenever we are doing any kind of content, whether it's the description for our YouTube video a new mm -hmm. blog post, a new category page, product page. We try to just listen to the data and you know, use our experience dealing with our customers and our business to, to make the right choices. Um, nice. There's just nice, no, nice. There's no perfect way to do it though. You have to just be doing it for several years and keep your data. Don't lose your data. That's the biggest advice I can give. Yeah, you, you remind me the quote, the era of lazy marketers is that, you know, <laughs> when people uh, are using, overusing SEMrush or Ahrefs, any other tools, uh, they get the average data. They can't get uh, deferred part data uh, from actually their customers. Uh, and you mentioned a few times about your target audience. Uh, they need safety. By the way, if I buy the scooter for my son, uh yeah i will think about safety in the first stage as well you know because uh yeah, it's very important and uh, can you tell about um uh, creating the right content by using uh data for uh for your um target audience uh if you are talking about people age people uh who needs safety uh but you need to explain about that in your content that uh your products uh are pretty safe uh and uh, it's not hard to uh drive them i i think it's uh, another option that people might need uh, to learn about scooter because you know when uh, even for me um, you know, uh, if I take any scooter, I need to spend some time to learn how I can drive it. Can you tell about creating content, how you can highlight your unique selling proposition in your content? So content as a high level word in marketing, you know, it, it's, it can be really general. So let's talk about, um, you know, our website content, our on-page okay. content for category pages, blogs, and things like that. Uh, when it comes to our content strategy, we try to take the holistic approach. We want to capture everything. So when it comes to mobility scooters, we have a guide 
that educates you on the safety, what types of scooters there are, uh, how to operate them. We have a, a blog post and an explanation for everything from the beginning to the end. And along the way, we try to use our experience, you know, what people are, are really listening to and what gets the attention of our customers to turn into buyers. For example, um, learning about the automatic braking system. A lot of people that are buying a scooter for the first time, they don't know about that. You don't actually have to have hand strength and use a brake handle like a bicycle. On these scooters, mm -hmm. it brakes automatically. So you don't even need to worry about braking. You just let go of the throttle and it stops automatically. So we try and, and educate our customers and our prospective customers on what the benefits are um, and you know, use a little bit of sales marketing as well by offering tax-free sales and free shipping and you know, promoting brands that are really well-known that come with a good warranty. You have to just take everything. And of course, you can't put it all on one page so what do we do? We use internal links. You know, if we have a category page for mobility scooters, probably you're going to get people that are first time buyers and people that have been around for a long time that have had two or three scooters before, and now they want to buy another one. So you have to kind of consider the fact that you're going to have all types of, of audience members coming to your, your main category pages. And if you go to our category page on our website and you scroll down to below the products, you're going to see like 4,000 words of content and it's broken down by section with uh, links to, to skip down to the next section if you don't want to read everything. So it's easy. It's user friendly. You see like a table of content. So it says, if you want to learn about the first mobility scooter that was ever created, click here. And it scrolls down to the section about the, the history of the first mobility scooter. If you want to learn who the best brands are, that the, the most reputable and, and um, respected brands, you click there and it takes you down to that section, kind of like YouTube video chapters. So you don't have to waste your time watching sections of a video that you don't want to watch and you want to skip forward to the important stuff that you're interested in. And our, our written content on our website is the same thing. We have chapters that you can skip through and find exactly what you're looking for. And with Google's algorithm, you know, it's, it's a secret. We don't know what exactly the algorithm is, but we know that they want the EAT, the expertise, the authority and the trust. Yeah. So if, if you have all of that, you know, and, and you've got the videos and the case studies and the testimonials, and you're taking the time to really educate people and show them that, you know, a lot about your products, not just, you know, a little bit like the guy who just started a, a website last year and he's still learning about the technical things about the product you have to really dive into the technical stuff and just give them everything from a holistic approach but at the same time you don't want to have that infinite scrolling effect to where people get lost and it's just overwhelming it's too much content i'm a firm yeah. believer in in using things like uh, index links to jump to certain sections of your content on really long pages that have a lot of content. And it works just as well in YouTube videos. People don't always want to watch a 30 minute video. They want to jump to the section at the end that's 15 minutes in and find out exactly how to remove the seat, you know, which is a common question. So, you know, when, when we get technical requests from customers that are common, like, hey, I, I don't know how to take my scooter apart. My battery's dead. What do I do? We create content for it right away. Every single commonly asked question that we get, whether it's how to change your batteries, how to repair something, we write a content, we, we do a blog post, we do a video, and 
we even have a forum on our website where users can come create a forum topic. And a lot of the time it's people that have scooters. They're not necessarily our customers, but they have a scooter and they have a problem and they want to speak to a technician. So we have a forum. You can register, post a topic or a question and a technician, whether it's me or one of the other technicians, they check in like once every two, three days or once every week. And they ask, they answer the questions with a technical response. And of course, internal links, keywords, YouTube videos embedded into the answer so that people know, Hey, these guys know what they're doing. They're the experts. Yeah. And, so valuable. And when it's crawlable content, Google sees everything. Google's not a human being. They don't have eyeballs. They can only read content. So you have to use your image alt tags. You have to use your titles when you're embedding videos. You, you got to put good descriptions in your content. You can't be lazy. You have to, you have yeah. to do it all the way. I mean, if you look at our videos, the descriptions are long. They don't just have, you know, a short two, three sentences. It, it tells you about the product. It uses long tail variations of the keyword that, you know, is like a long tail variation of the actual video title. Same thing with our blog posts. It's, as you know, it's, it's a lot, but if you don't take the lazy way and you actually do the hard work, you build a team to help you generate content. Um, you know, we have a dedicated a teammate that's just doing blogs. We have a dedicated teammate that's just doing our YouTube video channel descriptions. So everybody's yeah. kind of got their own responsibilities. And as the, 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 the head and the director of the marketing division, I just check in with those individual teammates and I give them critique, you know, constructive criticism. I give them advice on how to do better, what to do, what not to do. And now my job is more of like a coach for my team to learn how to become an expert at their responsibilities. And I'm still learning, you know, all the time. So what they're doing today might change next year. You know, mm -hmm. it's just how it is. So I'm a lot happier now go. though, because now I don't have clients that are very demanding calling my phone all the time. Now I could just set my schedule, check in with my teammates once a week, have a meeting with them, they love to learn. It's a pleasant experience. It's not a customer that wants better results now. And, and, you know, they're tired of spending money and things keep changing and algorithm updates keep setting their rankings back. You know how it is. It can, it can be stressful, um, especially around the season when the algorithm changes come out. You have to kind of know how to handle the situation delicately so that your client still feels valued. Um, but the transition from agency owner to retail business owner has been for me a huge weight off my shoulders and I really enjoy just being that coach and providing leadership to the team and and helping them learn a, a lot about digital marketing valuable valuable so valuable you, you shared a lot of value uh, I, I see it I know about the process yeah uh, and uh, uh, let's talk more about management uh, can you tell for example uh, let me share my story a few years ago uh, my team uh, uh, we, uh, you know, we spent some time to uh, provide a big project, and uh, during this process, I didn't see that a toxic environment appealed in my company. You know, between uh, some specialists, and um, yeah, a key, uh, a few uh, good specialists left company. I didn't know why, so I started to research and got it. 
no way, I need to handle the process, I need to spend time with my team. And you shared a lot about uh, management that you uh, coach. Uh, your team, you know, uh, different departments, uh, who is responsible for YouTube or any other part of creating content uh, or uh, cooperating with uh, clients. Can you tell about your methods of management? Uh, how to encourage people to go, to go ahead to overcome these obstacles because things happen. Uh, your competitors are not waiting when you uh, get all sales. Yeah, they want to uh, take away. Uh, you can take away <laughs> sales from your competitors. Can you tell about uh, in encouraging people to grow uh yeah your business sure i mean i'm again i'm still learning uh i haven't written a book on management but i'll give you my my opinion on what i've done and, mm -hmm. and what what can be useful for anybody in a situation that's trying to manage the growth of a company and a team um and i think it all kind of for me it, it starts at the problem i had when i first got the job at a digital marketing agency back in 2011 in in florida I realized that the, the people in charge, the, the coaches or the bosses, they, they didn't have the expertise that I wanted mm -hmm. to look forward to. You know, being a leader, you, you have to be proven to be an expert. And it's like, you're not gonna take, if you're an MMA fighter, for example, you're not gonna get a coach who's never really had any victories in a fight. You want a coach mm -hmm. who's, kicked a lot of ass, you know, someone who's won a lot of fights, right? And has, has a belt or something like that. So, you know, if you don't have the expertise and you can't prove that you're an expert, why would anybody want to work for you and make less than you, especially if they know more than you? And that's the problem a lot of my teammates had when we were working at that SEO agency in 2011. The sales managers, the, the project managers, we all knew a lot about SEO and a lot about how to manage clients, but the owners, the bosses, not really. They didn't really know. Uh, they weren't in the trenches every day dealing with the problems and solving them and, and learning what it takes to stay ahead of the curve with um, you know algorithm updates and things like that. So same thing applies in pretty much anything where you're a coach or a, an employer or a manager. I think you really have to realize how important leadership really is and if you're not demonstrating the fact that you're an expert and you know what you're doing and you have verifiable, you know, case studies that show, hey, I, I'm an expert at this. I know what I'm doing and you can learn from me. It's not going to work. They're, they're not going to feel like they have a leader to look, look to, especially when there's problems. So it's easy if you have a lot of money and you start a business. But if you don't have any experience, it's not going to work. I don't think it's going to be very challenging. So that's number one. Um, but that's not where it stops. I think just having expertise is, is not enough. I think you really have to build relationships with your teammates. And, you know, it's easy to keep business and personal separate. But everybody that's on my team, um, we're really, really good friends. I mean, we do team building events pretty often so that, you know, they feel like they're part of a family. It's not just a nine to five job. And as soon as some other company offers them a job, for a little bit more money they're going to leave they have fun working with us we're like a family we work together we learn together we make mistakes together and they can count on me to be there for them when they when they need me and i think that's kind of the the most important thing and um you know if you're not a experienced business owner like myself i've only had you know two 
real businesses and I'm still learning a lot, but I think just putting it on a schedule, like for every teammate you have, you should be spending at least once a week, a half an hour to an hour with each teammate. And I, I do that. I, I check in with every single one of my teammates and I say, Hey, I just wanted to check in. Let's talk. What have you learned? What, ha what's a challenge this week? How can I help you? And we sit down, whether it's something really simple or something very complex. Um, most of the time during these meetings, I, I walk away with a new task to help improve my business. You know, every meeting I have, there's usually something really productive that comes out of it. That's going to help our business grow. And if not, it's okay. It doesn't happen every single time, yeah. but sometimes I'll talk to one of my new employees and they bring up something that is a great idea. And that's how you find them. You spend time with your teammates, getting the feedback because they're the ones in the trenches dealing with your customers as the business owner. I don't know, you know, as an SEO agency owner, you probably do deal with your customers a lot, but in a retail environment, in my experience where I'm at now, I don't deal with customers directly too much, but if they need me to, I will. And I'll, I'll get on the phones if I have to do a sales call. That's just how I am. But, you know, they're the ones dealing with the customers and the day-to-day -day issues. So I personally think that your teammates are going to be the ones that can bring the ideas to you more efficiently than you can just come up with them sitting down, having a coffee and trying to come up with ideas to grow your business. So between you know, having leadership, letting your teammate know, hey, you can always reach out to me, call me. If I'm busy, we'll set up a meeting, but keeping an open door for your teammates to come up to you and not waste your time, but you know, have a productive conversation once a week or once a month. If you're a really big company with hundreds of employees, it might not be possible for once a week, but just build those relationships just like you would with your customers. You've got to build your relationships even more with your teammates. Um, yeah, otherwise, you know, something as easy as like getting a little bit more money in a salary position offer from a competitor will cause them to leave. And now yeah. you got to retrain them. You're going to lose someone who's on top of everything for you. You know, it's a mess. So um, I think from a management perspective, those two things are really important. And of course, um, me as a, a kind of a new business owner, second time doing it, I'm always looking for feedback from my team. So at the end of each meeting, I always ask them, what can I do better? What do you think I'm doing wrong? As an as your manager, can you tell me just one or two things that you think I, I can improve on? And I kind of like, if they say, no, there's nothing, you're doing everything great. I'm like, come on, <laughs> I'm going to give you till the end of the day. And I want you to email something that you think I can do better. And a lot of the times they're the ones to tell me what I could do better. And I, I take it and I, nice. I use it and I, I implement it. Yeah. Love it. You have love to be it. humble. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And uh, yeah, I uh, love it, especially <laughs> yeah, uh, about feedback, about, uh, and you know, I think uh, uh, if you stop learning, it's hard to go ahead, you know, you can't improve because we, we have no peak. You know, uh, uh, my goal, for example, I'm learning every single day a lot about my niche, about management, about how to improve the process. And of course, I'm waiting for my team as well. Um, I uh, share time, uh, uh, tell them, I don't want to touch your personal time, but in your job, you have an hour a day just 
to learn something new and share with me what you've learned and how to improve the process. Yeah, just take your time, uh, spend how you want. You can read blog posts, you can watch videos. It's your choice. But it's better if you share with me uh, how we can improve our process to develop much uh, higher and better product, something like this. So, yeah, it's That's our great. approach. And just yeah. to kind of expand upon that, um, that's something that we're doing a lot. And um, I try to be the person to kind of evaluate a teammate's uh, performance. And maybe they need help with sales. If they need help with sales, find a, a learning course that's going to teach them how to be a better salesperson and sign them up. Pay for it because you're investing in yeah. your team to get better. And that's something um, I think. And it, I could be wrong, but I think if you are the one to suggest the learning course and do the research for a good learning course, I think it's a little bit better because I find that when your teammates are kind of busy in their nine to five or their nine hour shift, eight hour shift, they don't really take the initiative to go and sign up and find the course. But if you give that to them and you say, look, here, I'm going to pay for this course, you're going to take it. And when you're done, I want to have a meeting with you and let's discuss what you learned. It, it's, it works a little bit better. So absolutely, education is super important for your team to grow. And it's also a great way to keep the, your teammate happy and not go anywhere. Because as, as they're learning and lear getting more skill sets, whether it's coding, uh, sales, customer service training, communication, whatever it is, I mean, we even sign up our, our teammates for typing lessons if they don't type more than 60 words per minute. So mm -hmm. we, we track their performance. We see them improve. And then eventually when it comes time to evaluation, hey, you're doing better. We're going to pay you a little bit more too now. And they get excited. They're, they're becoming, um, they're advancing in their professional growth. They're learning things that if they don't work with us in 10 years, they're going to take it to their next career path. And they're still going to have that skill set. So absolutely, I think that's great that you're doing that with your team. And I think anybody out there that's growing a team, that's really good advice. Nice, nice. Uh, okay, let's get back uh, to the topic of creating content. You mentioned about uh, creating content that uh, you have long content, but uh, I agree with you that most people don't uh, don't want to read if they can. Uh, teleport this content, integrate to their mind directly. You now, uh, yeah, you can save the, their time, but uh, they need to read, to learn. And I like, for example, uh, content from apple.com. Uh, very simple to consume, nothing special. And uh, I, I think it's a great approach because you uh, share that uh, many uh, websites overcomplicate content they uh, provide a lot more than people actually need and uh, you mentioned about your tricks how you can handle the content uh, to provide some links to other pages can you tell about simplicity how to simplify content um, that can uh, for example satisfy the average user uh, because uh, for example if you need to write long article or, or even uh, in the description page but it's hard to consume can you tell about simplicity in that way sure so um you mentioned earlier about a user being able to just get that information automatically right and yeah. i think soon that's going to happen with elon musk and zuckerberg and the metaverse and starlink so yeah. maybe we'll get there soon but in the meantime there's really no perfect way to do it. You know, I mean, you just have to kind of think about 
the, the structure of your content. So for our category pages that are really high traffic pages, um, we put a lot of information. We probably have more information than any other competitor out there as far as word count with like 4,000, 5,000 words. And I mentioned having the links to jump to certain sections so you don't have to read the whole thing. It helps, um, but it's not perfect. I think mentioning mm -hmm. Apple um, and other really well-known brands that have websites, like if you go to Adobe's website or Apple, they don't have more than like 30 words of content on most pages, right? It's very simple. But at the same time, it's Apple. Like they don't need to do SEO to rank. They have so such a well-known brand and so many followers, so many yeah, people use do. their products that Google's just putting them up there no matter what. They have the authority and they don't have to do any content. So it's kind of like comparing um, two different things. If, if you're a Apple or you're a, a huge cell phone provider or automotive dealer or manufacturing company, I don't think you have to worry about doing three, 4,000 words of content on your high traffic pages because you've got everything else. So Google's algorithm is not just looking at one thing, as you know, they're looking at hundreds of factors. Who knows how many factors they're looking at now? Back in three, four years ago, the, the number was like 200 or 300 factors. Probably now it's like a thousand factors that they're looking at. So each factor, in my opinion, has, has weight. So content might be 1% of what Google looks at. YouTube subscribers might be 2%, just to make an example. I know these are totally mm -hmm. wrong, but as long as you're trying to optimize every possible factor and you're doing things that are not considered shortcuts or black hat, I don't think you're going to get penalized. You're not going to get bad results. You're just going to have to look at your data after you make changes. So if you, if you want to try, and we've done this before, we've had category pages where we simplify the content. We reduce it down to like 500 words. And then we wait, not just one day, not two days. We wait like a year and we look at mm -hmm. the data in Google Analytics. How's the bounce rate? How's the average page durations or the average uh, user duration page session time? What is the bounce rate for that page now compared to last year? Um, looking at data, I, I don't like looking at small data samples. I like a year. Six months is the smallest data sample I'll even look at. So if you take that approach, you can see the changes and make your own educated decisions. I believe that having a lot of content so that, you know, if somebody wants to read all of it, they can. It's not going to hurt, in my opinion, to have all of that there. Because number one, when people land on our category page, I don't know if you want to do a screen share so I can kind of show you of our, our website catalog category page. But basically, when you get to our category page, at the very top, you have the header, and then you have mm -hmm. the menu, and then the title of the category page, and a few sentences, like two lines of, of, of content. But then it says, read more. So when you mm -hmm. click read more, yeah. it scrolls down all the way past the products. So after the first two sentences, you've got all the products. You can see all the scooters on the scooter page, category page. But if they want to learn more, they click read more, they scroll down. And once it gets past the products, the first thing that they see is a list of like 20 links. And it says, here are the different um, chapters that you could skip to so you can learn more about different types of scooters, the history of scooters, technical concerns. If you wanna read an in-depth buyer's guide on learning the best brands, you can click here. 
And I think that has worked for us very well. Um, I'm not afraid to put a lot of content on a, on a page. Um, maybe a product page, you don't want to do more than like, a, you know, 800 words, a thousand words seems like a lot. So for product pages, I think keeping the content kind of limited is good. Specifications usually tell you a lot about the product. So just, I, I like to use a lot of specifications and I almost make it a challenge for myself to, to look at competitors' product pages and say, okay, look, they only have 20 specs. Let's get 30 specs for our website. And some people, they, they want to know that one specification. And if you don't have it, you might lose the business. So we try our best to take our measuring tape and measure everything and, and really come up with specifications that your competitors are not putting there. Now, I'm not saying it's, it's confirmed, but I think if I were Google, I would value a website that takes the time to do that and show them yeah. if, if everything else is the same about two product pages, I would choose the one that has more specifications. Now, at the same mm -hmm. time, if you have videos there in your content area where your product description is, videos do way better than content. So we, if you look at our, our top products, literally there's like up to 10 videos for one product. We do a video on how to test it going uphill, how fast it goes, how to take it apart when you buy it in the box and put it together, how to change the batteries. We go on uh, test drive videos with an FPV camera. We do so many videos so they have all the information they want. They don't have to watch every video, but they can click mm -hmm. on the ones they want to, and it's at the top of the category description. Usually people are, are going to watch a video before they read content. So for our strategy on the product pages, we put all of our videos first. And then once they scroll past that, they're going to see the content, which to be honest, is really just there for search engine marketing and SEO. Um, I don't feel like a lot of our users read the content. We do have Google analytics with um, the heat map reports. So you can kind of see where people are scrolling and clicking. And I've looked at it before most of our attention is being focused on playing the videos as opposed to actually scrolling down and reading the content. I'm sure you would agree yeah. too. It's, it's a no brainer. Yeah. You know, I think you don't need to share any screen because you can explain much better without sharing any screen. You know, I understand anything <laughs> what you are saying. And, um, uh, yeah, uh, I have the final question about, uh, because, um, uh, during the podcast, you mentioned about, uh, guest posting about other off page, uh, SEO, uh, my thoughts. Uh, what about PR? Do you use any PR campaigns to get results uh, for your company or it's, uh, this channel doesn't work for you? We've done it a little bit. Um, and to be honest, I don't think it's a bad thing to do. We mm -hmm. just haven't really spent too much time doing it. You know, a lot of these PR um, opportunities are very expensive and yeah. you can get you can get domain authority boosts through backlinks without PR firms. I mean, if you're mm -hmm. in a, a competitive space like selling auto insurance or real estate, you probably need to do that. But in certain areas where, you know, the, the competitive landscape is not so tough, you may not need to. Um, mm -hmm. You have to consider the cost and the value that you get from certain things. It doesn't make sense to me for $5,000 or $2,000 to get a link from a Forbes article. Mm -hmm. I just don't, I don't think it's worth it. I think you can get links in other ways and it's going to be a lot more cost effective 
it's not going to cost you so much. So we choose not to spend too much money on paid links. And I know mm -hmm. press releases are, are kind of their own little form of paid links that are acceptable, but I, I just still look at it as like kind of a paid link. And I don't know that Google one day in the next two, three years is going to frown upon that and say, look, press releases are considered black hat. And now we're penalizing people that use press releases. I know that if we stick to our strategy, which is mm -hmm. only get links from travel bloggers that are disabled and use wheelchairs or scooters, only use links coming from manufacturing partners or, you know, websites that are actually talking about content that's relevant to our industry, we're probably never going to get a penalty for that. I don't think Google's ever going to wake up one day and, and the engineers who are in charge of the algorithm are going to say, look, let's, let's penalize everybody that ever gets links from relevant websites. It just doesn't make sense. So, you know, we tend to be a little bit more conservative when it comes to paying for backlink opportunities. And I would put press releases in that category of risky paid links. That's my opinion. Uh, not, uh, you know, uh, John Mueller from Google replied about press releases because we have two different ways of using PR. The first way, uh, it's like uh, distribution and contribution. Contribution uh, when uh, PR agencies use tools, you know, to submit uh, PR uh, campaigns to many different websites. Yeah, it's related to black hat techniques because it's not editorial link. Uh, but the second, it's like contribution, as you mentioned about Forbes. Forbes never uh, uses any soft uh, to allow to any backlinks. And even John Mueller from Google replied to this question that uh, PR campaigns work well. And sometimes it's even better than a technical optimization. Uh, and yeah, I agree. It's expensive channel, very expensive. But uh, in that way, if you cooperate with PR agencies that uh, use uh, distribution and uh, website owners, uh, publications can decide to publish the study or not, uh, press releases. Yeah, that way uh, uh, it works well. Uh, and Google uh, accepts this strategy even more than Gasposting because Gasposting, uh, you know, if you write Gaspost for the sake of links, it doesn't work. But if you write by sharing value, helping others, you know, uh, considering uh, you, uh, Google guidelines, yeah, uh, it, it's not forbidden. Uh, and the PR campaign, it depends on the strategy that you use. So <laughs> just yeah. uh, a few clarification I, I, about that. <laughs> I agree 100%. You just... You, you have to just kind of use common sense. So I'm not saying press releases are bad. I think they're, they're mm -hmm. great if, if, you, if you need to use them and you're not getting the results you're looking for and you've tried everything mm -hmm. else, press releases yeah. will probably help you if you do them correctly um, and don't use any automated kind of spammy techniques. So yeah. you, you know if, yeah. if that's something that's working for anybody out there, don't, don't stop doing it. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm saying... Yeah. We don't do it because we just find so many opportunities to build links in other ways that we don't really need to do it. Maybe one day we will, but right now mm -hmm. we just don't have like the time and the resources and the budget to put towards something that's, that's pretty expensive like that. So, you know, it, it's case by case. That's the bottom line. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I see the comment that you can be the president uh, of the United States, probably. <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's, my good, that's my good friend, Dustin there. He's uh, he, he works with us. So he's side by side with me and he helps out a lot with our YouTube marketing. 
he's awesome. You should check out his videos too. Nice, nice. Uh, Sergey, it's a big pleasure to get on my show, to learn from you, share with our audience how they can reach out to you, learn more about you, follow you. Awesome. I really appreciate the opportunity and uh, I love what you're doing. Keep doing it. And uh, I look forward to maybe one day in the future reconnecting. If you want to chat, share ideas, get feedback, I I'm open door, more than happy to help. Thank you again for the opportunity. Okay, uh, guys, uh, you can find the li links uh, in the description below to this podcast. Listen us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Connect with Sergio, uh, buy his scooters uh, for your grandmother, father, any, anybody for yourself, because you can see that uh, a lot of valuable insights, pretty safety, yeah, mobile uh, mobility direct. So, yeah, a big pleasure. Yeah. Thanks again for your time, you know, uh, valuable. You share a lot of value. Yeah, uh, I can feel it. I know about value. And yeah, I, I've learned uh, as well about that. And guys, see you the next time.